Hello, welcome to HVAC Tech Tips Podcast presented to you by CE. My name is Jack Kaufman. I'm a customer assurance manager here with CE. Disclaimer, all information in the HVAC Tech Tips Podcast is intended for licensed HVAC professionals. All electrical, mechanical, and plumbing work should be performed by licensed trade professionals only. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, welcome to HVAC Tech Tips Podcast. Today we have a group discussion dispelling the HVAC rules of thumb. And with us today we have Josh Goodman. He's one of our customer assurance managers within our tech support group, and he's also our head trainer. We also have Joe Bryant with us, who is also a customer assurance manager within our tech support group. So first thing first, uh, I mean, one of the, I guess, big, uh, to me, uh, rule of thumbs here, things that everybody's using which uh, can be unfortunate in a lot of cases is uh, load sizing. So, you know, we find a lot of guys, uh, you know, I've seen many people do this over the years where, I mean, it could be anywhere they'll, you know, think five to 600 square foot per ton. Some will tell you 400 square foot per ton. And, uh, you know, you really need to do a real load calc. Um, I'm sure there's probably, you know, plenty of guys out there that, you know, that do that. It's, it's just, it's not good. You're going to get yourself into trouble. Um, You can end up having some, uh, you know, legal thing comes up when you have a system that, you know, can't maintain or it overcools or we can't, re- you know, remove humidity. So one thing I've found one time, I actually, go ahead. Well, Jack, one of the biggest things that I see or saw when I was, you know, in the field was we have so many different building um, codes that have happened over time. So, you know, a home built in the 80s versus a home built, you know, in the 20s you know, is going to have two different heat load requirements because of, you know, the different building materials and things like that. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I'm actually, I, I know a guy years ago, you know, before I was in here, when I was in the field, uh, you know, I had a coworker that, you know, he would actually, you know, do this for jobs he was doing on his own. And, you know, he would be like, well, if it's a tighter house, we're going to use 600 square foot. And if it's, you know, it's an old house, we'll use the 400. And I'm like, right. like, you know, hey, man, maybe you should go get, you know, you could do a, the software's not that, that expensive. You know, everybody's using software nowadays, too. You know, and we've gotten cows. a little bit further away from it now, but back in the day, most people had forced air systems with no AC at all. Well, when that got available to your general consumers, homeowners and all, most of the dealers, what they would do is just go to the furnace, cut a hole in the plumb, and put a rack in there and slide an A-coil and hook it up and hit the go button and walk away. Uh, most of the time, probably 95% of the time, your supply was sized just on the edge of being sufficient, but you were always grossly undersized on your return, but no one ever looked at that, and you still kind of run into those here and there to where when we start dealing with issues with equipment, it's not sized for the load, and they think, well, this is in here and handles it for the, for the load requirements. This is great. We'll do that, and I still, every now and then, will get a call that says, well, what tons do I need because I got a 2,100 square foot home? That doesn't give you but a very small um, point that you need to have to put it all together to know what the load is, just like you were you were saying, Jack. Yeah, I mean, it is a thing. And you know, I know, uh, you know, over here in the, the region I'm in, in the, the Baltimore area, we, uh, you know, there's a couple communities that, you know, call when I was in the field where they were, you know, back in the day, they were forced heat only. You know, like you're saying, and that you were really pushing the limitations there with the, the sizing of the duck, and you always had to add return, you know. 
So, I mean, I've, you know, there's a lot of different situations there, but it is critical to, to do it. I was just going to give an example. One time I, you know, for the hell of it, I compared that, you know, the rule of thumb with an actual load calc. So if I used the, the rule of thumb, it was on a 2000 square foot house, you know, it come out to like 3.33 tons. Um, but, you know, if you, the actual load calc, um, it, you know, came out where we only needed you know, 24,000 BTUs for cooling. All right. You know, for 2000 square foot. So we deal with so many problems, things like that. Um, you can use a rule of thumb to hopefully point you in a direction, but it's just a guide. If you question any section of that, just like, you know, is it sized correctly, that's when you fall off your rule of thumb and you dig in and get hard data. The technicians that doesn't deal with the hard data they can measure and, and establish is what the system's doing, then they could spend time uh, out there running around in circles and really never making any headway. And that, that's frustrating for them, the dealer, but then the homeowner's paying for all this, and they really get frustrated, and the dealers don't need that on their shoulders. Right. And one other right. thing you know, I could say it's kind of critical is when you are, you know, sizing a system is, you know, you need to look at your AHRI. You know, I hear from a lot of guys, they, they never, they didn't look at an AHRI, you know, sometimes they only have a match. They just, you know, match the, you know, maybe a two-ton coil with a two-ton unit or, you know, whatever size it is. And, you know, we get into looking, you know, what it is. If it is a match, it, you know, sometimes it's not the full, you know, 24,000 BTUs. So it's and really also with to look the at that. And also with the onslaught, when we had that window where we went from 22 uh, to 410, or they were convert to 22, uh, or replacing a 410 unit outdoor unit with existing indoor and converting it, you know, you're not a AHRI match like you're talking about, and so you don't know exactly where all of that is going to fall. So using a one fixed rule of thumb for even that application even puts you further away from the mark of, of actually getting an accurate idea of what the system's doing. Right. Yeah, so I mean, you know, guys, it is really critical to, to do a load calculation to do it properly. So, so what's the next, uh, I guess, rule of thumb we should use here? Uh, one we hear a lot is your 20 degree delta on your indoor. Right. And, uh, this, this also tends to lead back to your uh, heat load calculations also. When the guys are doing that, they, they carry that around as, I've, I've always got to have this value. If I don't have this value, something's wrong. Um, the thing about that is, again, that's only one, one small part of a total puzzle that you have. And uh, if, if you are looking at that 20-degree split, you need to ensure that, Everything else is correct. The system outside is running at 100%. Your charge is correct. Your metering correct. Your subcool superheater where they need to be, and your airflow is direct. Um, even with that, uh, your airflow is correct. And even with that, um, your conditions. Uh, the outside air has an impact with where it's running at with the indoor air. So that variable changes consistently. You can have less than a 20 degree temperature drop across your coil and still be doing maximum capacity simply because we're only looking at your dry bulb temperature and we're not addressing the actual temperature that we're getting and recovering by dealing with our humidity with our latent heat. And as we know, when we talk about that, you can't measure your latent heat, but you can tell um, what total capacity you look at both of those as a total right 
Well, and Joe, that's a, that's a very good comment about the humidity. Because, uh, you know, I've, we've all taken those phone calls. Well, hey, my unit's only got a, a 15 or a 16 degree temperature difference. You know, we've done all this and I've got the right superheat, but I just don't have that temperature split. And, and I saw that a lot out in the field, especially just after our unit's been down for two or three days and we're going into this home and it's 85 degrees with a, um, a humidity level of almost 68, 70%. And once we get these units up and running, it's not uncommon to see a 14 degree temperature split dry bulb right. until we get the humidity in that structure down below, you know, 55, 54%. And then that's when you'll see that temperature difference start to grow. Um, so once you get the, the structure of the, you know, the humidity under control, then that's when you would see that 20 degree Delta T, but a lot of technicians don't have the patience to wait until that humidity gets down and they don't think about measuring that latent capacity of the system. I mean, that's the primary goal of an air conditioner is first to dehumidify. And that's, and that's, that's true. That could take a while for it to actually for them to see yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is so important I've, I've to... Where you, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I mean, I've just seen it where it could take hours before you actually get to that 20 degree Delta T. But I've, you know, I've started them up, seen at 14, you know, the first 15 minutes of operation and we get to an hour and a half of operation and, you know, it's grown to 17 or 18 degrees by that time. And of course, you, if you measure your wet bulb in the structure, you'll see that that is starting to drop before the actual dry bulb starts to drop. Yeah, it's important, too, for the, the, the tech to make sure he allows enough runtime, too. We get a lot of guys at startup where, you know, they're, they're calling in and, you know, that, you know, how long have you had it running? Like, well, 10 minutes. Well, you know, you need to give it some more time here for things to balance out. Right. You know? Right. So, so I th the next one would be uh, the, the rule ambient plus 30. So when charging, I mean, that was something we used to always hear back in the day. I mean. When I went to trade school, um, you know, for heating and air conditioning, there our instructor would, uh, was actually, you know, teaching us that, you know, but that's not the proper way to charge. You know, you really need to, uh, you know, look at your subcooling, your your superheat, or what is it that the beer can uh, cold method they used to say also. Right, right. Mm -hmm. A lot of that is, again, uh, you're looking at, you have to look at everything because what we do with cooling uh, is is a combination. It's a it's an algebraic form, so uh, the equation that we're dealing with. And when you change one little small part of it, your outcome changes. And the thing about a refrigeration system is it's going to try to find balance. And if you make an adjustment, say if it's running exactly to, to the numbers, and you have an adjustable TXD on the system, which we would incur a lot of residentials think they're a new thing, but they've been in the commercial industrial for eons, and you make an adjustment to that uh, TXV, and it makes everything else kind of get on a rocker, and it starts swinging around. You have to do uh, your due diligence and allow time for it to stabilize before you even go back to evaluate how did I impact it. So uh, things of that nature, there's so many things that you can't single out one item and say, here's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, like you were saying, sometimes you gotta put the pieces of the puzzle together when you're looking at everything. You know, you don't wanna, there's a lot of a lot of things we gotta look at when we're figuring it out. All right, we were just talking about, Josh was just talking about, and we were talking about the humidity inside. A lot of that right, right here that you were just talking about, uh, 
the humidity outside also has a direct impact on it. So all of that we take into consideration when we go to a house that's running and happens to throw a set of gauges on, we have a preconceived idea of how the system is built. We know for domestic air conditioning, which is, um, I believe, classified uh, high duty on the refrigeration, uh, we know that it's built for a 40-degree evaporator, and usually we stick with 110 condensing. Uh, some manufacturers use 109 to 110, but we, if you stick with 110, we know the systems, no matter which manufacturer, are pretty much built like that. So we go in with that conception of this is what a normal situation should be. We throw our gauges on. We don't make a determination prior, but then we evaluate what we get data-wise and see, all right, where is that? Because all these things we talk about, the outside air temperature, the humidity outside, inside air temperature, humidity inside, do they have the airflow? Is the ductwork right? Do we have to satisfy the airflow requirements? Same thing with the outdoor uh, airflow on the condenser. Are the coils dirty? Well, they look good. A lot of guys will tell you that, and they're standing four foot away looking at them. You know, you need, when there's th easy things that we can test, confirm, and get data, that makes the technician's job quicker to the point of where the real problem is. And any time that he uses putting forth to fix the situation, he knows he's going to get uh, good results and can walk away and know that the system is running the most it can without being detrimental to itself. Yeah. Um, I mean, Josh, you have any other uh, of the you know rules of thumb that people use? Anything else? Or? Um, I don't know. Let's look at our list, Jack. So we got our we got our load sizing. We got our ambient plus thirty, our twenty degree delta. Uh, okay, I mean uh, some of them that I guess I picked up. Um, you know, was, uh, one of the rules of thumb I heard was one cfm per a, uh, a square foot of a home. So you know, when we're talking about the load sizing, some people I guess use a rule of thumb where if the home is thirty three hundred square feet. You need 3,300 CFM to heat or cool the home. Of course, you divide that by your 400 CFM per ton. Means, uh, we would what, need almost eight tons of cooling um, for a 3,300 square foot home. Uh, and that seems to be a little drastic. Um, so I, I wouldn't traditionally use one CFM per ton. I mean, yeah, one CFM per square foot. I mean, what are your all thoughts? Have y'all seen or heard that one before? Um, I, I've I've actually not. I haven't heard that one before. Um, how about you, uh, Joe? I haven't heard that, but it, it goes under the lines of Josh, just like you related to what Jack had brought up about the, the, the sizing. Um, our heat loads, generally, when you run at least the paper loads we used to do with carry, which were really simple forms that they don't have anymore, and even the software, ultimately it would give you the CFM requirement for the actual room, each room, and then that negates right back again to another equation where it says, okay, this is the heat I need for that. You kind of got both of those in a snapshot in a part load, heat load calculation. And I've gotten uh, calls just for, you know, well, I'm having a problem with this one room. It's an eight by 10. Is this, is a six inch big enough or do I need to go to an A because they're saying they have issues. You can't, you can't use something like Josh is saying this one CFM 
per square foot of home to say, yeah, you're good or not, because your your duct work is just like water piping. You don't have it sized exactly from the source all the way out because it just doesn't, the numbers don't hit. Your piping is always oversized a little bit so that once you get to your end run furthest away, you're going to have sufficient flow, whether it's water or air. So a lot of this is taking the, you would have to take the assumption, it's all correct. And you guys know, and the technicians out in the field know, you very seldom run into a, a pristine, perfect job, even on new construction sometimes. Yeah, it's right. true. It is a uh, rare. So, I mean, I've seen a number of, uh, you know, duck things. That, that's a whole other thing there. If we get into sizing duck where, right. you know, uh, we find a lot of guys, they, uh, you know, they're not properly using a, a duculator or looking at their equipment's available static. You know, right. they're not subtracting right. everything Yeah, they're, they're using you know. the old, yeah, so set your supply at point one or set your return at point oh eight. And, right. you know, that may work fine in commercial, but it doesn't work in residential. Um you know, because we have to, you know, design the ductwork off of what's totally available by the blower that we're using. Right. And just on some of the calls that I get to where I need to get an idea on that, I will get the guys to use a point one or a point oh five uh, to a .08. I usually use .05 and say, just do a quick with your trunks that you can see. If you're questioning, you don't have enough ductwork, at least just look at the trunks that pop off of your main on your supply and use the point one and see if you're close. You know what tonnage you got, you want 400 CFM per ton. And if it is, you're in the ballpark, check the return, do the exact same thing. And at least you know if you're in the ballpark that if there's an issue, now we gotta check the static and evaluate what's really going on. Then you might need to go hard with what you need specifically like Josh is saying for the residential and digging a little deeper. But if that all that checks out good on things that you test and confirm, at least it'll say, well, I don't need to look there right now. Something else may be having a negative impact. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I think we, we hit on most of these. I mean, we could probably go on and on with all kind of, I mean, different things we could think of. Um, but for all of our listeners out there, we do have a, uh, a training site. You may want to uh, you know, take a look at the site, cematraining.com. We got a lot of videos on there for you, a lot of resources and things that can help you. Um, Josh, you want to put any input on the, on the site? Uh, we've got our fall training schedule out there. We're getting ready to start that um, here in October uh, this fall. Um, offering, you know, the variable speed courses, ductless courses, capacity, check, test, and start airflow courses. Uh, we do have the self-study courses available. Um, uh, just like Jack said, there's a lot of videos about uh, troubleshooting fault codes. We're going to be adding um, more as, I, as we get them developed to try to help, you know, make troubleshooting or understanding the processes in the service manuals, you know, um, easier to understand um, and to actually see how they're done uh, since we all have different skill sets and, you know, different experiences. I wanted to try to show, you know, how we do these things out in the field to make it easier for the new guys. But eh. All right. Do um, you have anything else, uh, Joe? No, uh, adding to what you guys are saying or just expanding a little bit, you know, the HVAC industry that we're working with, the core hasn't changed. We've got a lot of stuff 
on our training website that addresses that for a beginner that would help him to fill in on the science side, possibly been thrown out in the field prior to getting that, that'll give him some answers. It'll also create some more questions for him. But the, the beauty of that is he's back usually out on the on site in the field with a seasoned technician, he can square off some questions on. And Josh has done a great with adding the layers in and, and recently redoing or updating a lot of the information, even though the core stays consistent, uh, you, where you don't need to actually change it because if we're still dealing with the same refrigerant cycle today that we were 50 years ago. Uh, different refrigerant, mm -hmm. but the concept is still consistent with that. We've just had to make some changes with what actual temperatures we have with the new pressures or vice versa. So it's a great uh, access for the dealers for our CEMATraining.com access for them that they don't have to have login credentials and get a few extra troubleshooting and training videos uh, that are associated with not just the HVAC, but more specifically to our line of equipment to help them out. Yep. yep. All right. Well, all right. Sounds good. Well, thank you, guys. Um, thank you to our listeners. If you have any questions or comments, we can be reached at cma.techtips at carrierenterprise.com. And thank you for listening.